Hi, I'm Josh Escovito with Weintraub Tobin. And I'm Scott Hervey of Weintraub Tobin. Welcome to another installment of The Briefing by the IP Loblaw. recently discussed the Dr. Seuss Enterprises versus Comic Mix matter, where Dr. Seuss sued Comic Mix over its Oh, the Places You'll Boldly Go book. I discussed the copyright aspects, but I understand, Josh, that you want to talk about the trademark aspects of that case. That's right. As interesting as the copyright portion of the decision was, I found the trademark portion to be equally interesting. In short, Dr. Seuss Enterprises argued that comic mix infringed Dr. Seuss Enterprises' trademarks. Specifically, Dr. Seuss Enterprises claimed that it had valid trademark rights in the title, the typeface, and the style of the work. In fact, comic mix purposefully crafted boldly so that the title, the story, and the illustrations would evoke the original work. And Comic Mix eventually filed a motion for summary judgment claiming that the Lanham Act didn't apply. Yes, Comic Mix argued that it doesn't apply under the Rogers test from the Second Circuit, which was adopted by the Ninth Circuit in the Mattel Inc. versus MCA Records Inc. case in 2002. Oh, the Barbie case, yes. That's right, Scott. Under that test, the Lanham Act does not apply if the unless the use of the mark was one, not artistically relevant to the underlying work, or two, explicitly misleading consumers as to the source or the content of the work. Now, this is the same test that the Ninth Circuit applied in the VIP Products LLC versus Jack Daniels Properties Inc. case which we discussed a few weeks back, which concerned the infringement action between Jack Daniels and the dog toy maker who spoofed Jack Daniels' whiskey bottle for a squeaky dog toy. That matter may ultimately end up before the Supreme Court, but for reasons that we'll discuss a little bit later, that case raises a slightly different issue. Yeah, and the district court found that the Rogers test was satisfied and granted summary judgment in favor of Comic Mix. On appeal, though, the Ninth Circuit found that the first prong of the Rogers test was satisfied because the use of the mark was artistically relevant to the underlying work. The bar is low for the first prong, as the party needs only to establish that it had any artistic relevance above zero. The Ninth Circuit found that boldly easily surpassed this low bar because the marks were uh, relevant to achieve Boldly's artistic purpose. That's right. And the Ninth Circuit also found that the work is not explicitly misleading as to the source or content of the work. The Ninth Circuit acknowledged that unlike the first prong, the second prong creates a high bar that requires the use to be an explicit indication, overt claim, or explicit misstatement about the source of the work. The Ninth Circuit found that Boldly is not explicitly misleading as to its source because despite its use of the Seussian font, Seussian style of illustration, and even a title that adds just one word to the trademark title, Comic Mix added expressive content to the work beyond the mark itself. It conspicuously lists the author and the illustrator on the cover, and it even goes so far as to expressly state that it is not associated with or endorsed by Dr. Seuss. Finding both prongs were satisfied, the Ninth Circuit affirmed the district court's decision. That's interesting. And to wrap things up, how does this issue differ from the question presented in the squeaky dog toy case? The question presented in the Jack Daniels case, or the squeaky dog toy case, Scott, 
is whether the use of humor in connection with a commercially distributed dog toy is expressive in nature and therefore entitled to be analyzed under the Rogers test rather than the sleek craft test, which would apply to a standard infringement analysis in the Ninth Circuit. Here, there doesn't appear to be any such issue because a book is clearly expressive. Now, frankly, I think that the Jack Daniels case should be easy work for the Supreme Court since it seems that incorporating a humorous aspect into a dog toy is artistically relevant to the underlying work, the work being the toy itself. Any conclusion to the contrary would require the court to find that humor or parody isn't artistic in nature, and that just isn't consistent with prior case law. That's really interesting. Thanks a lot, Josh. Thanks, Scott. Thanks for watching. I hope you enjoyed the discussion. If you're interested in more content like this, please subscribe to our YouTube channel. And also, please visit the IPLawBlog.com for more content. <laughs>